0: Ready to elevate your home? Picture this. Central heating, a cozy fireplace, or your dream walk-in closet. Build a backyard oasis. Go green with solar panels or start a business. It's all possible with Figure's Home Equity Line of Credit. Unlock up to $400,000. Apply online in five minutes. Funding in as little as five days. Head to figure.com and transform your home. Figure Lending LLC DBA Figure. Equal Opportunity Lender. NMLS 1717824. Terms and conditions apply. Visit figure.com for more information. For licensing information, go to www.nmlsconsumeraccess.org. Now get 0% APR or up to $1,500 bonus cash on the Hyundai Tucson, now during the Hyundai Getaway Sales Event. Offers end soon. Call 562-314-4603 for details.
1: It's time to take command with former NFL tight end, Logan Paulson, and former Commander's beat reporter, Craig Hoffman. Take my podcast from odyssey sports
0: i'm craig hoffman host of the hoffman show on the team 980 covered the team on the beat for about five years that's logan paulson 10 years in the nfl as a tight end including six in washington and Logan, uh, today we have a little bit different podcast, obviously, as we get into the off-season rhythm. was great having John Kime on the pod. If you missed that, make sure you go back and check it out. But what we're going to do today is dive into some really nuanced stuff on offensive strategy scheme etc because we hear all these different things that are being thrown around about these offensive coordinators this guy's a west coast guy that guy's an air coriel guy Mm -hmm. what do those things actually mean how does how does the how do those offenses come together and what would be a good fit in washington and with ron rivera then we'll get into the rest of the nfl playoffs uh and take a look at the games coming up this weekend but uh, Logan, it seems like the offensive coordinator uh, search hasn't moved too much in the last twenty whatever hours it's been since we recorded with John. Um, you know, Shermer had his interviews. Zampese interviewing today. Uh, there still hasn't been interviews. Uh, they've been requested, but not necessarily granted with some of the other guys we talked about, like Studeville down in Miami, Bevel. Mm-hmm. Um, but is, is there any? As, as you've had a chance to dive into more of these guys. Let's start there. Like is there anybody that stands out to you as either a favorite based off what you're hearing or a favorite that you would like to see higher based off what you know about them at this time?
1: Yeah, I mean, I'd probably go like Daryl Bevel or Eric Studsville. And I think a big reason is because A, they've called plays and B, they they seem to have a history of understanding what Ron and this staff, you know, the Martys are looking for with, with regards to the offense. This kind of something we talked about with Kime the other day. Um, they understand how to call a game with a run emphasis and how that run emphasis and the formations associated with those running formations can positively insulate the passing attack. And they're also young guys. They've got good coaching careers. They've been quarterback coaches. They've called plays. All of those things you kind of like to, ch- or at least I like to check off in terms of boxes with regards to an OC and people say, well, Logan, why do you want a quarterback coach? Oftentimes you want a quarterback coach because you want a guy who can communicate with that guy. And the quarterback coach has to understand the passing game from the quarterback's perspective. I also like a guy who's called plays, right? Um, Because there is a skill associated with that, the rhythm and when things need to be called, how things need to be sequenced. All that stuff's really important. The prep in the week is another thing that's really important when it comes to calling plays, you have to kind of establish your, first 25 plays or whatever it is. So all the guys that have that experience, I think are very, very important. A guy like Charles Lennon, for example, has been a running back coach his whole career. So there are advantages to having a running back coach. They know protections. They know offensive line blocking schemes, usually not as detailed as the O-line coach, but you know he's never called plays. And this, he was a first year quarterback coach last year in a system that didn't do anything especially innovative from a pass game standpoint. So you kind of say, even though I like the Atlantic connection, I like the philosophy there, does he bring enough experience to the position or is he going to be kind of a youthful, I don't know, youthful guy who needs a little bit of time to get better, which Ron doesn't necessarily have.
0: Right. The, I think you see even this weekend the inexperience of calling plays in the playoffs and especially yeah. if it's a head coach um, which obviously is not the case here but you know Mike McDaniel is brilliant um, his inability in a key situation to get a fourth and one call in in time and like get all that organized while also being the head coach and in the play caller that was that was an issue I think the fact that they're in that game in the first place is a testament to Mike McDaniel he deserves a lot more credit than he does blame like the fact that he was in a position to screw it up so to speak uh, mm-hmm. is actually a testament to to him, but um, that situation um, he hasn't been in before, and right. especially in that that pressure of a playoff game. Sam could be said for Kevin O'Connell. Um, mm-hmm. I was was watching uh, Kirk Warner's breakdown of the fourth and eight, and he's like, "Look, I." don't love what Kirk cousins did here, but I also really don't like the play. Um, Mm -hmm. And in that situation, like, can you get to the right play call? And so obviously for them, it was taking the step of being the head coach, having to make some of the time score, whatever decisions and calling the play. It's a lot of responsibility. Um, But also those two guys are pretty young play callers. Um, They've worked Mm -hmm. under Kyle or Sean respectively, uh, or, you know, Jay here in Kevin's case where they didn't necessarily have full control of the play calling. And when it's your show, um those situations are very difficult and so having someone who's seen that before does elevate the candidacy of a guy like Shermer a guy like Bevel you know mm-hmm. who's been in Super Bowls and like look we can say Bevel Bevel made a mistake in the Super Bowl like a pretty famous one uh yep. you know throwing he, he calls the play that gets picked off when they should have just run Marshawn Lynch in uh from the two-yard line and it, it cost the Seahawks Super Bowl. Well, that's a mistake he's made and certainly learned from Mm -hmm. um, and an experience he's had. And if he gets in that position again, maybe he doesn't overthink it uh, it, to the extent that he did uh, along with Pete Carroll in that spot. So, there's advantages of having the mistakes already made, having seen the situations that you're talking about as a play caller that is the same as experience in any other job. That's why mm-hmm. that thing matters. But you even see it this weekend among some of the best and brightest minds in the sport that don't necessarily put their their teams in the best position to win specific to play calling, sequencing, understanding what you need and, and how to best get your your matchup or or even getting the right personnel in the field uh, in a timely fashion in key situations. So that is definitely something that I think if you didn't value it necessarily before um, you can just watch the NFL in, in one weekend and, and see the value of having someone who's, who's done it.
1: Right. I think, um, and you know, you're not always going to call the perfect play, but I think the idea of establishing or having an established like offensive identity, right. And having, Had to call a fourth and eight before having kind of had to work you know uh, daryl bevel was has been an oc for almost 15 years at certain points in his career so like that's a lot of time on task in terms of hey how do i build a staff how do i get the people around me that i need it's not kind of learning on the job you're not going to be influenced um you know by the head coach in the same way you're going to have your own autonomy and i think that's all important stuff especially for a side of the ball that that struggled last year and has struggled under Ron's tenure. I think having someone who can kind of be their own Island, be the CEO, be the, yeah, the CEO of the offense, I think is going to be really important. And so when I look at this list, I feel like it kind of narrows itself down a little bit. Right. And we, we talked also about how I think it's important that Ron's going to want, want to work with somebody that he's worked with in the past. And that's Pat Shermer. Like he, they were on the Eagle staff together. That I think is a big kind of, uh, you know, like tentpole type of event for him in terms of Ron's familiar with him. Ron knows him. And he's also got a lot of experience. Now his stops are not as storied as like a, a Bevel or a Studsville, for example. But I think that relationship will be big because you got to work with people that you like, if you're Ron.
0: Right. And the, I will say this, the other thing that's appealing about Shermer is, everywhere he's been a lot of explosive plays even with the Giants like they didn't do a lot in between the explosive plays uh but they were pretty high up Uh, Nikki Javala had a great piece kind of profiling everybody who's on the list in the Washington Post this morning that's one thing she pointed out um you know his record's not great obviously his head coaching records really poor but he's been a head coach multiple times because of what he's done as an offensive coordinator and he's done it by the way in some places where the the talent at quarterback was an elite. Right. You know that that year that Case Keenum had in Minnesota, Pat Shermer was the OC. And so if you can, you know, and by the way, the OC for Mike Zimmer, a defensive coach. So like Shermer has a profile that is appealing, even if the results there are some you can pick apart the resume pretty quickly. But that's also why guys are available as opposed to locked into head coaching jobs over the long term. For Shermer. Uh, and a lot of these guys, they run variations of a West Coast system, sure. which is what you're most familiar with as well. So, how would you define a West Coast system, and how is it different than what they ran last year? And actually, let's let me let me ask you a different question. To, to before going to that, how would you define an offensive system? Because a lot of the, these systems, there's overlap, right? There's the same yeah. route concepts. They run the same runs. So, like, how do you how do you categorize an offensive system in the first place?
1: Well, I think it kind of goes back to this thing that seem to be lacking here in Washington is this core offensive identity. What do you want to be? How do you want to create mismatches and create space in the context of your offense? So, you know, Kyle Shanahan, Matt LaFleur, um, the Minnesota staff, uh, 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 Miami staff, they are all kind of of this same ilk. They want to say, we're going to run the football out of these formations. We're going to throw the football out of these formations. We're going to make it hard for defenses to key on tendencies based on what we do. And we're going to not only stretch the field vertically, we're going to work really hard to stretch the field horizontally. And that to me is maybe the biggest distinguishing factor in like the West Coast offense and like the, what that means is you're trying to stretch the field horizontally, make them de- defend every blade of grass between that 56-yard that field. And not a lot of teams do that, right? But I think you bring up an excellent point in that even though Kyle, for example, is a West Coast coach, he has Air Coriel passing concepts in his offense. They they have kind of infused themselves. Now he gets to them in different ways than let's say Scott would get to them, but they're all kind of overlapped. It's the thing that, again, defines his offensive perspective is that core tenet of everything should look approximately the same um, to start the down. And the defense shouldn't be able to tell the difference. And we want to work, again, this is something I've said a lot, to subvert defensive expectations of our offense. Throwing out of heavy personnel, running out of light personnel, finding good matchups, finding good angles. And again, that's what makes his offense and his offensive tree so effective is because I think those tenants can apply to any offense. He just happens to do it from a West Coast perspective.
0: Right. West Coast, of course, the origins with Bill Walsh uh, out in the Niners uh, back in the 80s um, and has gone down from there. Uh, guys like Andy Reid and his entire coaching tree have really spread that right. throughout the league. Um, but it's the the short for West Coast, like short, a lot of short passing. Um, but that horizontal stretch, as opposed to Eric Correa, which, which is what um, Scott and Nor you know, North Turner, obviously one of the, the main disciples there and has spread the offense through his a coaching tree, uh including his son, they want to stretch and create that space vertically far more often, which is interesting though, because a lot of like a slant flat concept is something that exists in both offenses. You know, Mm -hmm. your uh dusty concept as it's called, you know, the language is obviously different, but like, you know, that concept exists um Mm -hmm. in, in offenses, which brings to the next question of like the language is that something that's specific to like west coast like if you go to from kyle to sean are you getting basically the same language i don't know if they work together so maybe that's a bad example but like if you go to two west coast guys are you getting basically the same language two eric Coryell guys basically the same language or does every coordinator wind up doing things differently and that's part of the challenge of bringing in someone new is you're going to wind up having pretty much no matter what to learn an entirely new language for your offense.
1: Yeah, so there are a lot of crossovers in terms of West Coast terminology. Um, For example, you mentioned Dragon, Slant Flat, Lion, Double Slant, Drive, Drag, uh, Dig. All those things are kind of in the same ilk. Other teams run them. For example, when I was in Houston, they are from this New England offensive tree, which is very kind of like uh, it's uh, it's almost like contained in its own world. So when someone gets out of it, it feels like, man, how did they get to this language? They're running, they're running drive, for example, but they call it something completely different. And it's just like, how did they get there? Like what? And it's funny because like they even draw their pictures different. So like you'll be looking at the picture, you're like, what is this? Like why why does it look like that? And you're like, oh, that's drive but why did they draw it with this point of emphasis why did they get to this and a little bit of it's cuz they want the spacing to hit a certain way they want the release to hit a certain way but it is funny when you're in in different offenses with different kind of core tenants so for example you know Kyle Sean um you know all those guys that'll look approximately the same like the picture will look the same you'll be able to say okay that's drive But then when you go to a different offense, it might just feel a little different. They might emphasize something a little different. They might say, hey, on the drive, we want you to sit here as opposed to here. And being from the West Coast offensive tree, which is where I'm from, you're like, that doesn't create enough horizontal space. So why would you want them to sit there? And they have a reason for it. They're saying, oh, we think it's easier for the quarterback to get there or whatever. But I'm always like, man, I want to – let's spread these dudes out. Let's let's challenge these underneath zones. And, again, that's where – my background is. So that's where I want to do. But I, I think there there can be pretty drastic. So anybody that comes in here, that's not the number system, which is what Scott is. And the number system is something that is, you know, a lot of high schools run it. It's an older kind of terminology. It It's three numbers. So it'll be like nine, eight, nine, for example, is a vertical, a post and a vertical nines are verticals, eights are posts. And then you say, okay, and that is a little bit confounding in terms of how to get to it from different personnels and different formations. And so I think that's another reason why that offense looks and feels a very specific way, because it can be challenging to call concepts. And so what you saw with Scott's offense, which I think is again, kind of a testament to offensive evolution is you'd see nine, eight, nine, you'd see two, one, two, you'd see kind of these basic numbered concepts and then they'd throw in a, a, a word which is traditionally west coast is how west coast call the play so they'd be like oh this is uh, apache or, or whatever the word is and that means drive and you're like oh, okay that's how they're getting to their drive scissors concept but it's so that it becomes kind of a bastard of both as opposed to when you're in like kyle's offense he just says i want to run this air coriel concept but i'm going to call it pylon I'm gonna I'm gonna give it a word as opposed to numbers so everything kind of falls right. under the same terminology sorry that was a little bit rambly but
0: no that's but that's what I wanted to do too is like also uh, Orlovsky did called what was like a 30 second play on NFL live the other day um mm-hmm. he was a quarterback I don't know if you got a 30 second play with multiple shifts and whatever in you right um but like how does it actually sound? Because I, I I don't know, like there are some people that will listen to this or watch this and they're like, yeah, I played college football or I played high school football or like right. I'm a big old nerd and I study this stuff and I know what it sounds like. But when, when you get into it and actually want to like call something relatively basic from a passing concept, but maybe you add a motion or a shift right. like, and then you have a can you know, that, that stuff gets real wordy real quick. And, you know, when you're a quarterback trying to learn that as a young player, if you're Sam Howell or, you know, you're, you're Terry and you're now on your third offense of your career. And, you know, it's, it's probably going to be, if it's West coast, it's going to be similar to what Jay used to call. So it's similar to what you had your rookie year, but do you remember that language? And, and is it, you know, I remember talking to actually Orlovsky on the radio about this uh, a couple of years ago, Where he was like, you know, I went from one team to another and they were similar and that actually made it harder because it's like Italian and French or Spanish and French. those, Those languages that sound extremely similar, but if you're... Supposed to go left one time, maybe in the other offense, you go right or whatever it is. Um, and so that actually can be extremely difficult similarities because things start to get confused of which one's the current one and which one's the old one. So, just from a, a basic standpoint, like if we pick, like I know dragon lines really, really common. So we'll go with that, right? So you right. got dragon one side, line on the other. You want to do it out of a, you're in like 11 personnel. Uh, so you got here, I'll I'll try to say this slow enough. I see you starting to write, uh, you can draw it out, right? You're at 11 personnel, you're under center. Mm. So like you're, you're in Madden language. It's like your ACE formation, right? Let's go tight it tight to the right. Uh, and then the slot receivers to the left, obviously, then you have your two wide outs on, on either side of them, Uh like just that, right. And then you want to run dragon lion, One of your most basic concepts that go together. What does that so, sound like in in West Coast? Without so usually, without motion, without shift, without nothing.
1: Right. So usually, this is like if I'm at the combine and I'm explaining someone like combine prep, which I'm going to do here in a little bit. What the the basic thing for West Coast is its formation, if it's a pass protection, and then concept, okay? So for this, it's double right. So right indicates the direction the tight end is going to go and double is the formation saying that the f for the adjusting player will be to the left side of the formation okay so tight end right adjust left so you get your x f y z right good so you say that would be quick game so it would be three jet or yeah three jet because it's a three-step drop and the back's going to the right in protection the offensive line is going to go to the left and then you say dragon dragon and then you might need to tag that differently no you're in two by two so you're okay So that was it. So formation protection. So, uh, formation double, right? Three jet dragon. That's it. Easy peasy. Right. But let's say I wanted to change it up. So I'd have to go double, right? Three jet dragon lion. Y gets the first tag X gets the second tag. Let's say I wanted to go out of a three by one. It would be trips, right? Um, three jet Y over dragon right because it's a two it's it's a two by two concept now it's three by one so that Y has to go over the ball or has to know he has to go over the ball so again that's mm-hmm. where you get into some of your variety and then some offensive coordinators will say i expect the tight end to know in a three by one he can't run a flat here he has to run over the ball and so we don't need to tag that and you just have to memorize that you have to be over the one that's like the that is like the most basic route concept
0: Right. And then you might go can and call a completely different play. A lot of times the can can plays wind up being runs. Um, and the run plays are a little simpler to call and you've already got so the you formation. Asked, right? you,
1: asked, you asked about a crazy play. So this was a play that I had when when I was in San Francisco with Kyle. So basically it was, it was, let's say it was strong, uh bump to strong, right? So there's the formation. The fullback's got a bump 18 Zorro can 19 week, Alert past 19 week um X drift. Okay. So that's all in one thing. So that's three plays that are called that's one play called and three different variations you can get to. Two runs right and left, and then the pass off of the look that you want. Yeah.
0: And that's Kyle's probably doing that all the time.
1: Yeah and that that gets a little bit dicey because there's motions associated with each play call there was times where he'd can the run and i would have to as the tight end i'd have to switch sides of the formation because the run strength was now to the left so you would have to memorize a motion you have to memorize the shift then you have to memorize your rules off of that new run that you were going to and then if he were to check to a pass i'd have to go back to the other side it was it was very complicated it, it puts you in a good spot but you do have to be on your p's and Q's.
0: right well and this is why teaching is so important